hey, somebody better give Anthony Hopkins an alarm clock next year. Am I right, Casey? You know what? You're very right. Um, he better he better show up for all of his events in the future, or people are gonna make fun of him endlessly on Twitter again. Yeah, you know what? Who really should have won that Oscar? Riz Ahmed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that in bad taste? No, nah. It's it's staying in. <laughs> okay, it's staying in. Yep. We're we're in it now. Yeah. Hey, hey, welcome back to Mind Over Movies. I'm I'm Isaac. I'm Casey. I almost said I'm Casey. <laughs> and I'm Isaac. <laughs> we're well, switched today. Let, uh, let's get this started. I'll 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 just start with my terrible takes really quick. <laughs> really quickly. No, nah, I mean I still haven't seen Sound of Metal, which is um a no no, a bad bad on my part. I need to watch it. I I think okay, so Hey, the Oscars happened, and yeah. hot take, well, not hot take, but controversy of the evening is they set up the whole ceremony like Chadwick Boseman was going to win, like they had leading actor after Best Picture, which is uh, weird. and he didn't win. Anthony Hopkins won, which from what I know, um, pretty, pretty, pretty decent win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe the best performance of his career. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, from, I'm, from what I've seen, I've heard The Two Popes is also really good, so I need to watch that, but... His Two Popes and the Father. Oh, from yeah. last year. Yeah, from I was last like, that's year. not this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because um, like they said the same thing about him last year about his performance in the Two Popes. But I mean, I saw the Father, and I think the Father was just—it's amazing, amazing movie, and he did awesome. So, for him to win the Oscar, like I totally can see like why they like chose him to win the Oscar. But then again, you know, I also heard that. Which I still need to watch it, but I also heard Bozeman's performance in Ma Rainey was amazing as well. Like, so oh, yeah. I mean, like for for what might be Anthony Hopkins' career best, I think this might be uh, Chadwick Bozeman's career best. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, his his performance in Ma Rainey's electrifying. And and here's the thing about the best actor category this year: it's like a four way tie, pretty much. I haven't seen right. The Father, but I imagine it's at that same caliber. But like Riz Ahmed really brought his game. Stephen Young really mm-hmm. brought his game. I mean, Chadwick Boseman really brought it. I, I can't remember who else was nominated, but I'm sure yeah. to be nominated this year, you had to be, like, class act. Right. Know? And so, I don't know. It, it always sucks when someone gets snubbed, and, mm-hmm. it, and it sucks when someone doesn't win, but it's, like, this was a really close yeah. year. Like, if you were going to lose, this is the most understandable year. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's the best year to be nominated because you're all winners in our eyes. <laughs> For well, real this time, though. <laughs> what's not a winner? Using Chadwick Boseman's likeness for an NFT for yeah. your Oscars goodie bags? Like, what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> that was weird as hell. Like, I saw that, and I was like... I literally looked at... I was on Twitter, and I saw, like, they had a picture of it. And I just looked at it for, like, a solid minute. And I was like, what? what, what is this? Like, why? I was trying to decipher, like... Why they would include this in a fucking gift bag as well? It's it's very poor taste, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of just kind of fucking like stupid or uh, like I can't. I was <laughs> what's a synonym for stupid? What's a synonym for stupid? No, it's idiotic. Like, it's just uh, <laughs> like goofy, you know? Like yeah, it's so uh-huh. weird. Like <laughs> <laughs> an NFT. <laughs> 
Oh dear. <laughs> okay, but um, I've got some more Oscar winners pulled up. But by the way, I know we said this was going to be a Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode, but we kind of we kind of dropped the ball on the fact that the Oscars were this week. Yeah, I kind of forgot about the uh, Academy Awards. Like the biggest night for yeah, movies, right? <laughs> we were like, eh, we we're just not going to cover it, but. <laughs> we have some we have some winners. Um, I guess going from the acting standpoint, Francis mm-hmm. McDormand won for Nomadland. Nomadland. Yeah. Um, Francis McDormand is like my favorite actress. Yeah. So like, don't get me wrong when I say this, but I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like that's I, I haven't seen Nomadland, but from what I understand, um, her like she was just in the movie and she did mm-hmm. a, a good job, but. Um, she always some. gives exceptional work. Y- like, yeah, but but my my thing is like she has several Academy Awards now. Like she won for Three Billboards a couple years ago, which is another really great really movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to have seen this award go to Viola Davis, also in Ma Rainey. Like, yeah, honestly, you know, Ma Rainey wasn't nominated for a lot of stuff, which which kind of surprised me because it had some really sharp writing and and acting all across the board. Like, I would have liked to have seen that get some more love. Right. Um. So, fight for you won best original song. What is that from? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, we didn't watch the Oscars, by the way. No, yeah, we, we didn't watch. We're just trying to catch up on the highlights. Yeah, I didn't really care to watch it this year. I just. Then I don't know. I just wasn't interested this year. But next year, I will definitely be watching. Okay, I'm I'm gonna butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Young Ye Hung um, from Minari, the grandmother mm-hmm. from Minari. She won Best Supporting Actress, and that's very well deserved, in my opinion. Like, I I heard her uh, performance was really good. I would just also like to say though, real quick, that Amanda uh, Seafried Seafried um, for uh, Mank. Um, while I love Mank, I don't understand why she was nominated for Best Supporting for that movie, for mm-hmm. that role. Uh, she was fine, but she didn't really, nothing stood out to me about her performance there. Um, so that was just weird. Uh, I'm sure Olivia Coleman was great in The Father. She too. was. Yeah, she was. I don't, um, I knew she wouldn't win, but she was great in The Father. Yeah. She's just one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, um, you know, I'm glad Minari won. I mm-hmm. think that my second place probably would have been Maria Bakalova from mm-hmm. Borat's subsequent movie film because she's fantastic. Like, she holds her own with Sasha Baron Cohen throughout right. that whole movie. Yeah. It's really great. Um, another round won Best uh, International Feature Film. Which I've heard great things about that. I actually have not caught any of these. Um, I haven't either. Nominees. This yeah, year. in the for the international feature, and I, I mean, haven't. Last year I only caught Parasite, so I mean I'm just a fake. Fan. <laughs> I think last year I caught Parasite and one other, but um, I mean it really wasn't a competition at that point. Yeah, I I think that I would have watched probably more foreign films this year if uh, if movies were like more of a thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland. Um, Which is very historic. She's only the second woman to win the Best Director Award. No, yeah, this this is well-deserved, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'll express my thoughts on Nomadland again later, but I think that one thing you can't deny about that movie is it's fucking beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. the shots in that movie, like, pretty much every shot could go on that one perfect shot Twitter. Right. Like, and also, it's just, it's great to see, you know... Asian Americans win and 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 women win like mm-hmm. holy shit you know 
that's amazing. I'm yeah. so glad for her. Um, and I'm also really glad for Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, I, God, yeah. I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, but I've loved everything yeah. he's been in. That that man is a uh, powerhouse, dude. Like, he is a actual legendary actor already because of just, like, he brings his A-game to literally every single role he's in. Mm-hmm. Like, every single one. He was even in, uh, he had a small part in the movie Widows. Yes, and it I was so it. good. Widows like, is really good, and no one yeah, talked about it. Nobody no, freaking talked about it. <laughs> that okay? If you take one thing away, go watch Widows. It's directed by like Steve, Steve McQueen, McQueen yeah. from Twelve Years a Slave, and and it's got and Viola Davis. Yeah, uh, Viola Davis. Um, oh, I can't remember the other people in that movie. I know Liam Neeson's in there. He, yeah. he doesn't matter as much. Like this is a, a movie that's definitely all about it's it's, it's women, women cast, yeah. you know, and, and it's. it's Amazing. Fantastic. I, I love yeah. it so much. It, it was probably one of the better heist movies of the past few years. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Good Ocean's 8. If yeah. You will. Um, I will, to dunk on someone in Best Supporting Actor, I will say that Sasha Baron Cohen uh, for Trial of the Chicago 7 kind of astounds me that he's mm-hmm. in, nominated. Like, Kind of an outlier in that film, I feel like. I, yeah, like, I don't think he's a bad actor, and I, don't, I definitely don't think that he did a bad job in the movie, but I would say that Yaya... Abdul Mateen the second from mm-hmm. from uh, Trial of Chicago Seven probably deserved that nomination a little bit more. Um, his performance as Bobby Seal was was so good. Um, I I'm conflicted about Trial of Chicago Seven because it's a pretty average outing anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it's just definitely like the script is its strongest yeah. aspect to it. I'm just glad to see Eddie Redmayne not get nominated. Or wait, did he get nominated? And I didn't realize. Eddie Redmayne? No, thank God. No. <laughs> I will. Oh, also, I forgot to mention this, but Gary Oldman is my favorite actor. But I'm yeah. really glad to see him not win this year. Right? I, I, yeah. I, I didn't want him to. Yeah. No, he did a great job in Mank, but he's won a lot. <laughs> um, best animated feature went to Soul this mm-hmm. year, which it always goes to a Disney or Pixar movie. So it was pretty much like between Onward and Soul. Yeah. Um, I like how both Pixar films are in there in the category, like nominated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Soul is, yeah, I mean. I think it's the superior one of those yeah. two. I, I think it's a shame. Um, Wolf Wakers, I've heard, is like actually like amazing. You know, I, ha- I also have heard. I haven't been able to watch it yet. I'm though. very annoyed. It's on Apple Plus, you oh, know, like, no. or Apple TV or whatever that service yeah. is called. And I, I don't think I'll ever subscribe uh, to me it. Me neither. But there's so many good shows and movies. I that know, go through and there. they have the director's cut of Midsummer on there. <gasps> yeah, and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm, I'm angry. Yeah. Um. Okay, so my octopus teacher won best documentary feature, and this is the only one I really know much about. Yeah, so um, I know. So collective, I've heard, is actually really great, and the mole agent. Uh, I've uh, I, I think it's on one of my streaming services. I have I just it's on my list, but uh, my octopus teacher. I remember seeing the trailers for forever ago and thinking like. Okay, that looks good. And then I saw it was like nominated for an Academy Award, and then everybody started making fun of it. And I was like, "That's funny. Like, it's the obvious. Like, obviously, it's gonna win. It's so weird and different, mm-hmm. and the title is so baity. You know, like I don't know. Apparently, he's horny for the octopus. Uh, well, that's what people are. are that's the jokes people are <laughs> the making. Joke. Yeah. Somebody like on Twitter like made a fucking meme 
It was like my octopus teacher from the other perspective. And the script's like, yo, why this motherfucker following me? (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds funny. I I don't know. I'll probably end up watching it. I will probably too. I, and I've also heard Crip Camp is uh, is really good. Like, I haven't heard anything about that. Inspiring. It's like um, a camp for uh, persons with disabilities, and mm. just like a lot of their stories at that camp. So, I don't know. That it sounds like a good way to get to my to my heartstrings. Um, mm-hmm. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh, were nominated twice this year because mm. they did Mank and they also did Soul. Um, and I've always loved this composing duo. I think mm-hmm. that they're fantastic. And also John Baptiste uh, helped them in Soul. So, I mean, why not bring another yeah. person in on the love? I I, um, I wish they would have won it for Mank, though. Because I, I feel like I don't remember Soul's soundtrack whatsoever, but I remember Mank's. And I think Mank's is just... Or maybe maybe it's not better. Maybe they're both equally the same, but I like Mank's better. So I would have liked to see it go to Mank. I actually would have liked to have seen this category go to Minari. I thought that the oh, score Minari, of Minari yeah. was like so haunting and beautiful. Like I I was amazed like from the moment the film opens, the Minari score is like in your ear and it's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um so I still haven't seen Promising Young Woman, but it's one best original screenplay. How do you feel about that? Um considering it beat Aaron Sorkin for trial as a, as a feat, but uh, yeah, no, I like the script, the screenplay for Promising Young Woman. I know it's a very divisive film right now, and everybody's arguing over whether it's feminist enough or whether it's supposed to be feminist enough and, and whatnot, and I have my own take on that, but that's another story, but one thing you cannot deny is that the screenplay is super sharp and that it's written really well, um, I think, even though the ending may piss some people off. Uh, the, the screenplay is, is if you look at it like just from a screenwriting standpoint yeah it's a great freaking story um, I know that um, uh, Minari and Sound of Metal are, have also been hailed as having like super great stories so if you know if any one of those would have won I feel like it would have been uh, also deserved but I, I am excited that it won because it was written by a woman and um, it's, I think it's a good film. So yeah, is this, is this another historic win? I mean, I feel like it, I have no idea how many women have won best screenwriting credits. To be yeah. honest with you, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I, I feel like that category has probably been really skewed towards yeah. towards men in the past. Um, towards Aaron Sorkin. I I, <laughs> I will say, you know, I don't hate Aaron Sorkin, but I don't I, I'm, I'm glad to see him lose. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't. I don't know. I didn't think that Childish Chicago 7 was, like, amazing. Like, right. you know, it's not, like, social network tier. It's not even, like, West Wing tier, yeah. Aaron Sorkin, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, moving on, we've got uh, The Father for Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've heard, yeah, it makes people cry. Yeah. Really it's, good. It's uh, adapted from a play. Um, and it apparently it's a, like you can tell it's adapted from a play in the movie, but it's almost like like I, I don't care like it still feels really uh, like like you know how like um, the movie Fences like Fences is adapted from the the play yeah the and it's Wilson very play. obvious that it's adapted from a play because there's large amounts of dialogue in one area mm-hmm. and there's like maybe like three or four like you know settings and the whole thing. The father all takes place in one house, 
but it is the way it's done it is probably the the best thing I've ever seen relating to production design and everything. So yeah, the way it was adapted from the play to, to fit like a cinematic uh, form is, is absolutely fucking genius. I thought it was amazing. So yeah, I I, I would love to see it. Um, I've also heard One Night in Miami, the mm. Regina King directorial debut, is also great. Um, Nomadland. Uh, that's intriguing um, because I know there's a book. Yeah, but mm-hmm. also part of the appeal of the movie is that it's kind of part documentary, part fiction. Right. It, it, it is interesting in theory. I mean, obviously, I didn't I didn't love the movie as much as like a lot of people do, but like I, I think you know still well deserved for a nomination. The one that confuses me how it's an adapted screenplay is Borat's subsequent movie film. Yeah. What? <laughs> how is that? I don't adapted? know. Um, that seems. I really like, don't know. You know, it, it seems like it's pretty original to me. So I mean, adapted kind of has like a wide, you know, uh, definition when it comes to like film screenplays. So like adapted, so like Borat, he could have read a story that was similar to his story. Yeah, and because his story was so similar, he had to kind of adapt it. So he just made it into like a Borat-centered story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and that could have classified it as an adapted screenplay, just literally from like a news article or something. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, we'll just go through these other categories before um, yeah. best picture, best visual effects went to Tenant. I uh, I can't really complain. I yeah. I will say the Midnight Sky. Um, which I think that was the George Clooney directed one. Um, really disappointing movie. Really, yeah. oh, we watched it. Um, really boring. <laughs> right. And also obvious. Like I don't know. Like there's a twist in there, and it just made me like roll my eyes. It was like, ugh. <laughs> um, and then I know best sound went to Sound of Metal, which mm-hmm. that's a well deserved win. Like right. oh my gosh, I, I I loved what they did with the sound. Like that. That really. I mean, it, it struck at what it felt yeah. like to be deaf. I know they didn't consult any deaf people, though, so that's a damn shame. Right. I think uh, best production design going to Mank that's, also makes I sense. I like that, yeah. I mean, period pieces usually take home the shit, and, I mean, that's that seems well-deserved. Ma Rainey being nominated for that is great, too. Um, ooh. Yeah, Ma Rainey only won like best costume design and best makeup which i mean those are big wins yeah don't get me wrong so i mean ma rainey now the suicide squad of this year if you will yeah (laughs) disgusting (laughs) best cinematography went to uh mank which is i'm happy very happy i don't know how trial the chicago 7 weaseled his way i don't either i that's not probably because it's a then sorkin directed as well yeah yeah probably because his good graces with the Academy. I here's don't know. here's the problem with Trial of the Chicago Seven in a nutshell. Like Aaron Sorkin's a great writer, but unfortunately Aaron Sorkin got held back this year by Aaron Sorkin, yeah, the director. Yeah. It's like Yeah. Give your scripts away, dude. Right. Yeah. Let someone else take it from here, Poppy. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And let's just go ahead and jump to what's usually the big category of the night. Obviously, they put best picture before best actress and best actor this year. Again, as bait for anyone watching the see Chadwick Boseman win. Um, but Nomadland won Best Picture. Uh, and Casey, what, what would have been your pick for Best Picture? Just um, wondering. 
Honestly, so I haven't. I was bad this year. I didn't see Minari uh, or Sound of Metal or Nomadland. I still need to watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, out of the ones I saw and out of the things I've heard, I wouldn't have been mad if it went to uh, Minari uh, or Mank um, or even the Father. I kind of, I kind of was like, maybe I was like. In the back of my mind, I was like, "What if the father won Best Picture? That'd be super dope!" Like, because it's a great movie. Um, but in the back, I kind of knew it was either going to be Minari or Nomadland. So yeah. I'm not surprised. My pick would, out of all this, what would have been either Minari or Mank, just because I would like to see another Asian director uh, yeah. take a win for Best Picture, which would have been really cool. But Nomadland won, and it's a woman-directed film, which is another historic win. So. You know, I'm fine with it, but definitely my pick probably would have been Mank or Minari. I I think I would have I would have gone with Minari this year. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see The Father really bad. Mm-hmm. I've heard I've heard it's great. Um, yeah, it was between Minari and Sound of Metal for me, but I I definitely think I like Minari more. Um, I'm not upset that Nomadland won. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it's well deserved. I just think for once, I don't um I don't get it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I like I see why there's a lot of love towards this movie i just personally walked away a little bit disappointed and honestly a little bit bored you yeah. know like i i get that the style that chloe Zhao has is is very meditative and like mm-hmm. that's that's throughout all her work but um i don't know maybe one day i'll revisit the movie and and see like oh it's actually really great just like this watching, I didn't get much out of it, but you know that's film in a nutshell. Right. It doesn't always click with you at first. I mean, Blade Runner. <laughs> not to compare Nomadland and Blade Runner because I don't think they have anything in common. Right. Um, but like that's another movie that I think of whenever I, I, I think of like movies that I didn't really get mm-hmm. at first and thought were boring. You know, I had to watch Blade Runner like three times, and I. I had to change the cut, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. I yeah. watched the theatrical cut the first time I watched Blade okay. Runner, so I had no idea how great right. it would be. Apparently, Harrison Ford dunked on the theatrical cut of Blade Runner last night. Like that was a big moment. Oh, like, really? He came out and was like making fun of it. I did. Oh, dang, I need to watch the highlights. Then, Me too. That's funny. Yeah, we we don't do research or anything for this podcast. <laughs> this talk. No, we do research normally. We just we didn't catch the Oscars. Okay, yeah. I had work. You had. Uh, you had a birthday going on. Yeah. going on, and I didn't. And also, I was, I was sickly. Like I didn't feel like watching it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, my man's was sick. Yeah. But not with COVID nineteen. No, because get that shit out of here. But no, you're not the only one that doesn't like Nomadland, though. My, um, I have a professor uh, who is a, uh, um, he's he's right now he's teaching a course on women in the director's chair that's what the course is called so he knows like he's very knowledgeable in like you know female directors and female work because his work is kind of informed by um female directors and stuff because he like relates to female directors more and he said he almost went on a rant one class because he's like nomadland is not a good movie he's like people are uh, putting it on a pedestal that it shouldn't be on he's like i hate it i don't like it so i'm interested i have his class today i can't wait to see (laughs) what his reaction is going to be uh to it winning he he probably would have liked to see anything else win. he's just gonna go (laughs) (laughs) for an hour and a half (laughs) um but anyway 
all you all you film snobs, get the frick out of here. We're yeah. about to talk about some serious, serious stuff. Okay, if you guys haven't seen The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just frick off, man. Yeah, frick off. You won't understand. We're talking about Marvel now. You wouldn't understand. Marvel, okay? Marvel, okay. Like Because <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home should have won Best Picture last year. Yeah. And it's a dang shame it didn't. Yeah, because it's obviously the best Spider-Man movie. It's the best Spider-Man movie. Of all time. And also... Was there a Marvel movie that came out last year? No, there wasn't. There was none, right? Because because it was supposed to be Black Widow. Yeah. And then that yeah, didn't come out. No, yeah, there was no Marvel last year. Yeah. I swear, I thought I thought there was something, but wow. Mm-mm. No. And we didn't even get a show. Like Mm-mm. Wandavision didn't come out till this year. Yeah. Well, hey, we're 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 back on the Marvel train. We are gonna spoil um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I, I guess we don't have to jump into that. Uh, let's let's maybe give overall thoughts. First. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler-free thoughts right now. There have been two episodes that have aired since we last talked about the show, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's wrapped up. So, Casey, what did you think about season one? Um, pretty good. Um, I think it took a while to get its feet off the ground story-wise. Mm-hmm. I still say the cinematography and the editing are absolute garbage. It gets oh, better. Ass. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's ass. It gets better in the last two episodes, I think. Um, but you know. Um, but after, you know, those couple episodes, I think, I honestly think episode three is the worst episode, but, um, it, uh, it, um, the, the story finally like kicks off and like, once you, once you understand where they're trying to go with the story and where, what they're trying to do, like with the show, um, it's, it's pretty entertaining and it's pretty good. And the themes that they dealt with, uh, are, uh, great like mm-hmm. they needed to be you know directly confronted head on uh, especially in this day and age and i think that was done pretty well especially like there couldn't have been a better story they could have talked about race relations with you know mm-hmm. than uh this story that they have here and um i'd say i'm more sympathetic towards the villain in this show she's uh she's not a super memorable like villain but like I guess maybe since the show's like so fresh on my mind, and it's a show, we saw six episodes of her instead of just an hour and a half. But um, I, the villain wasn't too bad. The, yeah. the the whole that organization, its motives and everything, is super understandable, and it creates actual friction in your in your head when you're watching. You're kind of conflicted because you're like, wait a minute, like yeah, I want to see them beat the shit out of bad guys, but. Are they really bad guys? Which yeah. I thought was was great. Um, so yeah, the show really surprised me. I thought WandaVision was going to be the better out of the two, but I have ended up in maybe enjoying this one a little better than WandaVision, or at least a little better than the second half of WandaVision. Mm. So yeah, I. Uh, so I mean, coming off your ending, I am going <clears> to <throat> say I think I still like WandaVision a bit more. I think what that really came down to was production. I think the mm-hmm. show had pretty terrible production at times, yeah. which really distracted uh, for me. Like, it really distracted me from like enjoying it a lot of times because it feels very TV budget Marvel. Oh, definitely. Whereas like WandaVision kind of embraced its TV um, setting. Mm-hmm. I feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was often hindered by the mm-hmm. fact that they were trying to do a blockbuster on yeah. this scale. Um, now, th- that doesn't mean that it was a bad show or that it looked, like, completely cheap. Like, obviously, this must be one of the most expensive TV shows, like, ever produced. Like, yeah. You know? And I'm not knocking 
like how it looked the whole time. It's just like there were a lot of choices with the cinematography, especially mm-hmm. that you and I both noticed that it was just distracting. Like, you know, not all the action looked fluid. I will say that I think in episode three, even though like the story was probably the most confused, I would say that that's probably what had the best action because they bought they brought the John Wick guy on board. Yeah, and you Chad can tell. Stileski. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it it slapped. Uh, yeah, definitely. I will say um, something about this show that surprised me is that I was often more invested in it when it was addressing its themes rather than its mm-hmm. like actiony Marvel subplots. Like, um, you know, this this shouldn't be too much of a surprise, uh, but the show addresses race. Um, and you know, the last like superhero show I saw do that was was Watchmen, which I think you know, had more time and, and more energy to, like, tackle it fully and, mm-hmm. like, really put, like, a lot of weight behind it and, you know, had some subtlety. But I think for Marvel, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that Marvel can't have subtlety, but, like, <laughs> I think that with a lot of its viewer base, it's good to, like, come out of the mm-hmm. come out of the woods swinging, you know, and, yeah. and just really address it head on, like, that's what I like about, like, movies like Zootopia, even, you know. It's, like, sometimes you do just need to, like, state what should be blatantly obvious to mm-hmm. people. Like, racism is bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. here's some terrible things about race that we don't think about, you know. Um, and it was really interesting to see the show tackle that. Um, I definitely think that it was more interesting as a character piece, too. Mm-hmm. Um more often when the characters were separated like i i was kind of waiting the whole show for this team to click for me like sam and bucky to like really you know jump off the screen and be one of my new favorite on-screen duos but i liked them both a lot more when they were separated separated yeah i agree yeah and that was something that i thought early on would change but it it never really did like it it just kind of seemed like they took focus away from each other when they were together and um yeah yeah like even in the finale like when they yeah I mean, yeah the team uh, never the duo never clicked for me to be honest um i like the care i like both characters i just don't like them i don't think they work together as as much as marvel would like them to i i think that's what to. gives wandavision the edge for me is yeah. that paul bettany and elizabeth olsen are, are like fucking dynamite yeah. yeah they're amazing yeah together. and th- those performances are really class acts and that's not to say Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan don't bring their A game. I just think yeah. together, um, and it's not even their fault. I think mm-hmm. it's the writing. Like they didn't know yeah. how to write these characters together. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't think I can say anything else that you haven't already said. Um, so I think maybe we should get into spoilers now. If okay. you uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers for this, if you just came for the Oscars and just want to hear some fun tidbits at the end as we're closing out, skip to. This timestamp. 53 minutes and 37 seconds. Losers. Just kidding. Love you. All right. We're in spoiler territory now. Let's uh, get right into it. Uh, Captain America, America is another guy? Ree! <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So there's two Captain America moments depending on if you're racist yeah that's true (laughs) the first one is at the end of the first episode which i will say is one of the most like exciting cliffhangers in a while oh yeah yeah i loved it wyatt russell coming out and being captain america you can already tell just under the mask this guy's a dickhead you don't like him no right um 
I I liked his his turn in this show. Like, what what I thought was interesting about this character, John Walker, is that he he did walk that villain territory sometimes. Like he mm-hmm. he walked into that line, but a lot of the times he was a very sympathetic character, or at yeah. least you could understand that he's going through a lot, is under mm-hmm. like tremendous pressure. Um, and I think by the finale, like it's pretty clear that he's not fully vilified. No, he's more he's like an anti-hero. anti-hero. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm interested to see. There's been some theories. Uh, the first immediate one I thought of was uh, in uh, episode four after he fucking smashed the yeah, dude's head. Like, ah! <laughs> Which was an awesome cliffhanger for that episode as well. Um, I, my mind immediately thought, I was like, oh, are we doing like the Dark Avengers? Or is there like a... And then that mm-hmm. lady, lady coming up and saying like, you know... Uh, uh, have a proposition for you and stuff like that, uh, and then other people are like, uh, maybe it's the Thunderbolts, and then you know at the end it's revealed he's the U.S. agent, which I don't know a whole lot of comic lore about uh, the U.S. agent, um, but I can tell like that woman, you know, she's uh, about to gather a team, and I mm-hmm. I want to see like an, a, a maybe like not I guess they're not doing like the Avengers anymore or maybe they are I don't know I want to see like a crossover event like the Avengers versus like this team I think that'd be like a civil war type thing I think that'd be super dope and if that's where they're headed then whoo I'm ready for that because I, I I no longer want to see the Avengers you know killing off mindless drones aliens and and the yeah. like I want to see them fight actual people and there'd be like stakes and like so if we like know all the characters on both sides, like kind of like Civil War was. It's like mm-hmm. we're like ready for a fight, but we're also like don't kill these characters, you know. But if we have that again with like anti heroes and stuff, I think that'd be awesome. It would be pretty sick, nasty. Yeah. I think. Um, I I wonder if they are going in that direction because it seems like this next phase of Marvel is going to be very alien based, like mm-hmm. the the scrolls. Scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. Or are they. No, yeah, there's scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be the focus of this next phase, or yeah. at least that's what WandaVision was setting up. And that's the one thing I really appreciated about this show is that we didn't have a finale that like spent thirty minutes like setting up like mm-hmm. scroll shit. Like, yeah. thank God, you know. Right. Uh, I I still I don't think that the finale really resolved everything mm-hmm. like I super satisfactory satisfactorily. I mean, we might see some things in Captain America four. Because yeah, spoiler that's... another spoiler <laughs> alert, which I mean we're in the spoiler section. Right, you, it's you've fine. done new. You done new. You done new. Sam Wilson, mm-hmm. Captain America now, Heck which yeah. I'm glad that we didn't have any like moment where we had to see him like building a suit. He just comes out in the finale in that new suit. Which is like translated so well from the comics. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the comic version and this version, it's like the best like suit ever. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? I I think it looked fucking awesome i like the suit i um and i also like that he's not jacked up on super serum like yeah. that, that sam wilson has remained himself mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing um I, I will say that it did seem like he was on something though i mean because if you remember in like uh the winter soldier like mm-hmm. sam has to catch like captain america at some point and he's like oh wow carrying all this weight's crazy <laughs> and then in this episode he's like Oh, it's just a truck? I'm just gonna... Just gonna... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, everybody was fighting about that on Twitter, and I was like, is this really what we're taking away, is how he lifted the truck? Like, I I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, it's a fucking Marvel, like, TV show. Like, Marvel... Mm -hmm. 
like, like Tony Stark would have already been dead by the first movie because if you're in a suit and you're falling off a building and you hit the thrusters right at the end, all his guts would have fucking like shifted and he would have died. Like I just don't think about that stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I, I always wonder, like, why is it that film Twitter takes up, like, issue with physics, you know, like, with yeah. Star Wars, The Last Jedi, it was like, oh, the bombs shouldn't drop vertically like that, yeah. what the hell's going on? Um, and nowadays, like, I, I, I just think that if you wanted to criticize the show, there's, like, so many more obvious yeah. elements, like, you know, if you, if you want to criticize that there's a lack of stakes, don't criticize the truck moment like yeah. criticize the fact that we don't know who the fuck we're rooting against <laughs> yeah. by the finale like, <laughs> exactly i i will say um i did think that uh carly mm-hmm. was was you know the most common villain other than maybe zemo mm-hmm. i think carly was supposed to be like a more sympathetic figure what really pissed me off with this show is that thing i was talking about yeah when we first started talking about the show it's like marvel will have villains that have really great points that Mm -hmm. you agree with like killmonger Mm -hmm. and then they realize oh shit they're too agreeable they're too sympathetic we We gotta make them evil somehow and like at the end of the third episode she's like let's blow up our friends yeah because because it's like because you're you're not bad enough yet yeah yeah it was like the uh like what? Well, they got. There's got to be a fight. So she's got to like turn, you know, more, a little bit more evil. And and like in in this show, like if they would have explained, like they they took some time to explain her like reasoning and her thoughts after the fact that she already blew up a fucking truck and killed like six people. And it's like okay, that probably would have made more sense if we had all this like uh, these character moments before that, and then we could understand, and then we could be like, oh no, don't don't do that. But then in that episode, she just did it, and we're just like, why? But then we figure out the why later, and it's like, it's still, you know, um, this is like the the probably the most Marvel's ever been with, like, messing with the gray area and the, and the line. Like, mm-hmm. Killmonger, you're like, okay, I agree, and then he goes on a killing spree, and you're like, okay, like, oh, never mind, we can't he's, do that. he's evil. But with Carly, it's like, okay, I agree. It's like, oh, she's doing some, that was kind of questionable. But then she kind of explains herself, and then you're back to, like, okay, well, I agree, but also, like, we don't agree, and then, um, like, yeah, like, that's the closest Marvel's ever been to, like, having, like, a, like, an actual, like, you know, like, well, who do I agree with, and, like, what should happen here, which is fun, but good God, dude, it took me three episodes to really understand what was going on with the villain, you know, with yeah. the, or, like, what exactly you know, what they wanted to do and what their goal was and, and why they were being opposed. It, it, it just comes down to writing, honestly. There were, like, four villains. There yeah. Were, I, and it, it was kind of hard to tell which one the show was zeroing in on, which I'm not saying that you have to zero in on a villain. It's just, mm-hmm. like, you have the Spider-Man 3 effect happening, which yeah. is, like, there, there are too many people at this party, and we gotta we gotta focus on someone. To, to quote Donald Glover, uh get out of my house i didn't invite you (laughs) (laughs) no wait i totally butchered that line i don't even know what you're referring to um because the internet there's that song where all the people are are at his house and he's like (laughs) he says something like 
get get all these people out of my house. I didn't invite you. <laughs> I don't know. There's like a party happening at his house. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Well, I mean, hey. It, I should the, have researched. The allegory fits. <laughs> Listen to Because of the Internet. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but the problem was like, there was the power broker who was very confusing as a villain. Like, I think that was just a way too convoluted plot line. We knew who it was by, like, the moment she showed up. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay. it, was, it was Sharon Carter. Like, it was it was pretty obvious it was going to be Sharon Carter but after a Sharon, a point. But is Sharon Carter Sharon Carter? That's yeah. what I'm wondering. I'm oh. wondering if she's a scroll. scroll. Oh. Yeah. Scroll, scroll theory. <laughs> That's the funny thing about Marvel now is, like, any person you see on screen now could be a scroll could be, and yeah. or a Ma- Martian Manhunter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, a, Daddy Snyder. <laughs> that, was a, that was a Zack Snyder's Justice League joke. Uh, you might be confused. Uh, isn't this a Marvel throwdown? Fuck it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, but, yeah, so Sharon Carter, uh, that was a disappointing turn. They brought Zemo back from Civil War. As another mm-hmm. villain, um, he and seemed I, to be the most consistently villainous villain, I guess. Yeah, I um, didn't like I didn't like his character in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't like how they, I don't like Zemo. If you watch Civil War, Zemo doesn't have fun in this entire show. Though this season, he's having fun and he's cracking yeah. jokes, and it's such a shift that I'm like, that's not that's not at least the Baron Zemo we were introduced to in Civil War. I like the Civil War Zemo a bit better than this one. Like that's why I said it was a bastardization of the character because it made no fucking sense how he just started, you know, like he was doing the witty banter with you know all of them. And I I, I don't know like with the uh, Civil War it was just I just felt his character was a lot more like sinister and like a force to be reckoned with. And but in this one he's just like Loki 2.0 except yeah. not 2.0. Like Loki, one and a half. <laughs> He's like, I'm a, I, I am a Nazi scientist, but also I'm kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, dancing in the club. I um. That was on Twitter for a while. I think that there was like a healthy medium here because I, I don't think that Zemo was a great character in Civil War. I think he was kind of like boring and one note there. But I don't think that this was the answer. Like, yeah, I know. And that, that was my problem with a lot of the show is like their their solution to a lot of confusing dynamics was to just quip through it. Yeah. You know, like that is especially the problem with Bucky and Sam is mm-hmm. that like anytime they're on screen together, like they never have like too many real moments. They, yeah. They quip and quip and quip. Like the few moments that they're serious are so good. Like there's that moment in like episode five where like Sam and Bucky are talking about like the shield Mm -hmm. and you know, like Sam's feeling the weight of being a black man and like using the shield and Bucky's like, I'm sorry, you know, like that's great. Yeah. But like the shit in episode two where like they're just constantly like, yeah, yeah, doing the activities like, like, Oh, I love this one. Yeah. I, I did like the um the Gandalf joke though that right. that one landed for me but you can't just quip the whole fucking time you yeah. have to be real yeah I hated that scene in episode two like episodes two and three are pro- like the ones that I like the least mm-hmm. like I was feeling very disappointed in the show with episodes two and three but, yeah which sucked because that's when they teamed up you yeah know? exactly it's like, oh god is the whole thing gonna be like this yeah. Um, luckily it brought it back though. I think episode five is probably my favorite episode. Actually the ending of four and the beginning of five. Yeah. Is fucking amazing. There's yeah. Episode four and five. Chad. Top yeah. tier. Top um, tier. 
Okay, there was two more villains I was gonna. Oh yeah, there's there's John Walker who we've talked about more of an antihero, right. um, and then they bring in Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh, and I for a second I thought she was the power broker, the way she was talking to John Walker, but I mean that that came to pass. She was just she was just a momentary distraction from right. Sharon Carter. You know they didn't really have Sharon in episode five, so. You were able to forget for a minute how obvious it was that she is the power broker. Um, I will say, yeah, with all these villains, it was very confusing as to like what plot to be invested in because mm-hmm. there's like four. Yeah, know? yeah, and, and they're I think, all intersecting and shit, and it's it gets super convoluted. And I and I get that like the whole show is going for like a spy thriller thing that mm-hmm. you know the Captain America movies ended up doing after Captain America: The Winter Soldier, but. I think it was kind of messy here and yeah. and convoluted and I think that in the end like I would rather have like the straight up storytelling of WandaVision even though it kind of um sunk uh, like the Titanic at the end you know yeah. like it really it really was a stinker in the end but I think that consistently it was better in the earlier part of its season whereas the show just kept being hit or miss hit or miss mm-hmm. You know, like you have great moments where uh, Sam goes to talk to Isaiah, and you know yeah, we learn crazy. about the the past of mm-hmm. Captain America, and just we we get real about being a black man in America, and then we just have the silliest, dumbest shit, like <laughs> quipping with Baron Zemo at the yeah. club. You uh, know, <laughs> yeah, it's totally um, all over the place. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, and and that partly goes with the tone for me is set um, with the, the, the editing and the cinematography and the fact that it's so ass and pair that with a story that doesn't know where it's going, at least in the first three episodes, man... Like it's t- that it creates a tone, like it creates two or three different tones, and it's all over the freaking place. It cannot decide what it wants to be, and it angers me. And also, mm-hmm. can I just say, <clears throat> in that first episode, because I've, I've watched the first episode twice, um, that therapist scene with Bucky, that is the most poorly shot, poorly edited thing I have ever seen. I mean, what the fuck are those angles, dude? <laughs> It's literally above their head, but it's like blurred out, and like the only thing in focus is like the top of their eyebrows and their nose. It's the worst shit I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I hate it. Thanks. I hate it, Marvel. <laughs> it's, oh, I hate it so much. I um, I agree. I you know, I I actually didn't remember the first episode's uh, therapy scene, but I I am just thinking like about those shots now and it's just like it's it's really bad and it's like that throughout the rest of the series like the Mm -hmm. only time i didn't notice it was like episodes five and six because i don't know if they just like decided to stop fucking around and just fucking make a shot list or but like oh my god dude it was it's so noticeably bad like even in scenes where it shouldn't be noticeable like i noticed it in um episode three with baron zemo um, and they're in the plane. The angles are like, like if like Sam's sitting in the chair, they were like on the ground at an angle shooting him, and they shot the entire dialogue scene like that, and it was like 
I had a headache. I was like, stop. It was like only like a, a minute long scene, but it, it gave me a headache. And I was like, dude, just place the camera like in front of them or like to the side to get a two shot. Like, oh my God, they didn't know what, they didn't know like how to shoot this. I don't know if it was like the director who wanted like this stuff or if it was just, they just had like a, a, a really shitty DP but man, it's really bad. And the editing, it didn't help its case any because the editing, they picked the worst shots for the wrong pieces of dialogue, especially in those like therapist scenes and stuff. I, I'll also say like moments that stood out to me or were like the finale, like the fight between Carly and Sam mm-hmm. and then also like the French guy and like uh, everything in that building or in that tunnel or whatever is just. A fucking mess. Like, yeah. I, I hated watching that fight. Like, there was the jump cuts, which I've always hated that style of editing, too. Like, I like... And this is just a personal preference for me. I'll, I'll acknowledge. But, you know, I like fights that have, like, long takes. And it seems like there's, you know, some savagery happening. It just seems like anytime there was a hit here, there would be a cut. Cut, cut, yeah. cut, 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 cut. Um, and I don't know. It was also just, like, very choppy. And, and very silly, and, like, a lot of the dialogue, too, in that fight scene was silly. Like, the, stay down, uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> immediately followed by, oh, fight back! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, the dialogue didn't make <laughs> any sense there. They were trying to call back to, like, you know, um, Iron Man, I guess, going, like, stay down, and Cap being like, oh, I could do this all day. Right. But <laughs> Carly... Carly sounded a bit silly. She, yeah. she couldn't make up her mind. She was like, <laughs> I want you to stay down, but I also want you to fight me. I want you to beat the shot. <laughs> I don't I really don't know what I want. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah, just the production in the show, just really distracting. Yeah. I, I think the only thing that was really above average was the CGI. I think, or at least with, like, Bucky's arm anyway. Like, I forgot that that's, like, a CGI blend of uh, practical effects. Too. Yeah. That looked really his sharp. Arm, yeah, his arm looks amazing. <laughs> also, any digital backgrounds. I don't know. I feel like they took the Mandalorian style where they had sets and then, mm-hmm. you know, CGI backgrounds. I'm not quite sure, but it seemed like in a lot of scenes, yeah. you know, they were doing that because, like, <laughs> there would be very real-looking yeah. objects and then the background would be kind of like expansive it looked like mm-hmm. there were a lot of people and shit yeah they're using cities. uh they're using that same technology i think uh that they use on the mandalorian mm-hmm. which is that um it's like a i don't i forget what it's called but it's like some kind of dome or it's like a whole room and the room they can literally edit visual effects and this the space like while they're shooting it's crazy like we're living in a fucking fantastic time for film and television because that technology is is crazy um because i watched a clip of just like um who plays the mandalorian oh pedro pascal pedro pascal just stepping up onto like his set like it's a real set right he's on sand and then they turned on the giant like panoramic screen and then it was just this this he was our, he was like on like fucking Tatooine or something, and wow. then they started like putting objects in, and like when they'd play like you know it like animate I don't know it's crazy stuff. It's Vox has incredible. a whole a little short doc on like the technology, and it's really interesting. Um, and I that. I assume they did the same thing for this show and Wandavision, so which is why I think it 
One division somehow looked better than the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh um, yeah, but... across the board. I, I think again, like that was just embracing, yeah, like different TV eras. Like it's not that expensive. It turns out to replicate a a forties television. Show yeah, or yeah. Um, it, it, I think where WandaVision got really cheap was the finale. You know, like you you add those visual effects in and those silly fight scenes, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this this looks like ass again. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I have much more to say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I mean, we we just dogged on it for a, a while, but no, like I I enjoyed I enjoyed the series. I yeah, um, I don't think it's bad, mm-mm. but I don't think it's all that great either. Mm-mm. I I definitely think that this is one of those where you know people don't really understand that there's a middle ground with like yeah enjoyment factor you know like it's either you really have to love something or you really have to hate something so i i fully anticipate in the coming weeks there's going to be a lot of video essays like falcon and the winter soldier the worst marvel property yet um and there's going to be a lot of video essays like i love the falcon and the winter soldier it's a masterpiece you know there's that line from baron zemo that's like it's a complete, competent, yeah. uh, concise masterpiece or something. I don't yeah. remember the quote. People remember Marvel quotes, and I'm like, shit, I don't even remember Marvel movies yeah, when like, I watch them. It's you like, know? bro, did that stick with you that much to like repeat it and blast it all over social media? But Look, yeah, I agree. The video essays, they're coming. They're coming, <laughs> yeah. and they're coming hard. Yeah. I... Okay, I think we're out of the spoiler zone, so, you know, this is just, like, free talk hour about, you know, film criticism in general, but I just, I know that people, like, fucking, do you watch Mahler on YouTube? No. He, he's the guy that does that show, like, Unbridled Rage. Yeah, Um, I know who you're talking about, Yeah. yeah. Just, like, you know, like, I get the appeal of film criticism like that, it's like, oh, art subjective, you know things can be like objectively bad and objectively good it's just Mm -hmm. like fans of that kind of content are so annoying because they hear the talking point from like the guy you know from like Mahler they'll go to his channel and he'll be like uh it's actually illogical that uh the falcon would be lifting a truck like that and then they'll go on twitter and literally just say that every day for the next three years you know yeah it's like "Hmm, remember when marvel was good well, now they have black people lifting trucks. <laughs> little sus. <laughs> L- little sus. Is this among us? Because that's sus, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I saw like the same sort of thing with um with the dialogue in episode five when, when Sam's uh talking about, you know, being a black man and uh the I, I know our friend Jacob yeah. his Twitter got blown up because he made a really good point about He's like, you know, if this made you, this this guy was complaining that the dialogue wasn't subtle or that it was, there was no subtext. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? We've been dealing in subtext the last four and yeah. a half episodes and Marvel's been dealing in subtext in w- forever now, you know, with that stuff. And it's like, there's a the time and place for think for subtlety and then there's a time and place for just like, you need to just say it, you know, we're going to, we're going to be brash about it and that scene was fine in fact i remember thinking like wow this is really great dialogue and then i, I guess the consensus with you know racist people i guess is that no it's not good dialogue because there's no subtext and it's like 
stop 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 it it, like please like that is a great scene and you know we don't need any more subtext and and uh beating around the bush dancing around the issue just come out and say it because it honestly was a great scene because he was just saying it and laying Mm -hmm. it all laying it all out there and i thought it was great um and then you know fucking film twitter or at least a portion of film twitter i just I, I I constantly think about this tweet from this journalist I follow. Uh, uh, he has a he has a podcast uh, called Far Harbor Far Harbors, and uh, he's just he's a he's like a, he's Asian American, and he's a really funny dude, and he's a film critic slash reviewer, and he posted a tweet one day, and it said, uh, uh, "Film Twitter is just a never ending discourse of." Uh, old Martin Scorsese movies, uh, canceling Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder, uh, and uh, I think something about sh- uh, shitty racist takes or something oh, like yeah. that. And he's like, thanks, I hate it. And I was like, that is so true, because that is exactly what it is. Um, and it is, yeah. It, this this show is definitely going to be split down the line politically, which I hate that you know even our television is now like, uh, you know, <laughs> either the right wing takes it or the left wing takes right. it. Like, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be that politicized. Obviously, this show is is striking at some some pretty significant political themes. So mm-hmm. I, I understand why it happens. But like, they're just idiots who pick this shit up and like, mm-hmm. I hate it. Like Tim Pool, who by the way is one of the biggest dumbasses on Twitter. He's he used to be like a journalist for Vice, if that tells you anything. Oh, but he. <laughs> He was like, he tweeted at the start of the show. He was like, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is so woke and I kind of hate it. And then like five episodes in, he's like, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is kind of anti-woke and I love it. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Just shut up. <laughs> Get out of here with your shitty fucking takes. Like, no. my God, no one is asking you if the show is woke, too woke or not, you know, like, yeah. I don't care. Like, I, I kind of want the word woke to be stricken from, like, film criticism yeah. because I don't think it's ever been used, like, seriously to, to have, like, a constructive, yeah. like, conversation about anything or, like. It's for channels like The Quartering and, and yeah. other, like, right-wing, like, owning the libs kind oh, of media. You bet your ass Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up with, like, hair dye. Uh, in episode five is gonna get people like pissed off it's gonna be like this show is sjw trash <laughs> I, sometimes i'm okay and then sometimes i remember that the right wing film critics like couldn't handle the fact that laura dern had like purple hair in the last jedi oh my god yeah they're like look at it purple hair and i'm like oh it's like of please. all the things in the last jedi it, it, this is the one that we're focusing on right now as like sjw trash are you are you kidding me oh. i i also want sjw stricken from film criticism <laughs> stat like woke sjw like i have never heard these words and seen a good take followed <laughs> you know that's the that's the damn truth true i i mean i i will say i I'm trying to say, like, oh, you know, both sides are annoying. But, like, really, it's it's right-wing film critics yeah, that really piss me off. Yeah. You know? I, I, le- <laughs> the left-wing annoys me when they, when they, uh, they fucking psychoanalyze a fucking Winnie the Pooh movie. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, it's not that deep. We don't have to do that shit, you know? And, and they'll do that with Marvel products all the time. Mm. And I'm like, 
you know, like, yeah, there's something to be said about, you know, deeply, and you can deeply analyze anything, and, like, it, most of the times it'll be interesting, but the way they do it is so freaking annoying and childish, it's like, okay, shut up, like, nobody fucking cares, um, so that's, that's, like, the polar opposite end that annoys the shit out of me, um, and it's all on Twitter. It is mostly Twitter Our that I... Heavenly platform. Here. Okay, but let me say something. Film Twitter is better than, like, film tiktok you know oh like, my god i wanted to talk about that i forgot about you uh, yeah. sharing that on <laughs> oh it's so bad the ch- top 10 most underrated movies of all time number nine the truman show, show. <laughs> oh god have you guys seen whiplash that movie is criminally underrated <laughs> i literally saw somebody say the grand budapest hotel they're like, nobody talks about it. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? People won't fucking shut up about it. Like, I love when like people discover Wes Anderson and think like, wow, what, a, what an underrated like artist. Like, There's a difference between living under a rock and someone being underrated, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He has had a successful film career for like almost 30 years right. now. You, you're just late on yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. You're just extremely late. I think I think that's just the thing. It's like, you know, I I want people to be passionate about what they love mm-hmm. and and have like takes and and say their and say their piece, but like sometimes you're just like really overdoing it mm-hmm. and like you just really don't get like the culture, you know, yeah, at the time. Yeah, and that 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 shoots both ways. Like again, I would say that I would rather have people who are too overly passionate and like stands i guess yeah rather than this just like nitpicky overcritical and just like hateful like yeah you know film criticism that's like jumped up you know and that's uh, we're shooting up okay it's right. okay we're yeah. like not shooting up heroin <laughs> but like we're punching upwards <laughs> at like big channels right now but like that's the thing <laughs> we're not shooting up we're not shooting up take that <laughs> take that out <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> Um, but like, you know, there's, there's like podcasts on YouTube where like people will go and watch other people's videos about why they like something and they'll be like six hours long and it'll be like, objectively, you're stupid for liking that. And it's like, that's just toxic, man. Like, I don't, I don't care if you enjoy something or not. Like your opinion does not matter that fucking much. And yeah. that, that at the end of the day, our opinion doesn't matter that much. If you don't no. agree with what we say, we're not going to try and convince you otherwise. Like, you, can, you know, you can like turn the podcast off if you want. I mean, we'd rather yeah. you not. But <laughs> like, we're not sitting here being the 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 guardians of film criticism. Like, fucking like the angry drunk or the angry what's the or the drunk. Um, uh oh. Uh, sorry. Um, Casey's drunk right now. Yeah, no. Um, the he nos- shot up, and now he's drunk. <laughs> the, the like, it's on the same lines of the nostalgia critic. Oh yeah, the critical drinker. Mm-hmm. Like their kind of content is so annoying, and it's like they're super gatekeepy. I feel like uh, yeah, with you know, like film, and the thing is, they criticize the stupidest shit, you know, from from films and. Um, I don't know. You say we're punching up. I say we're punching down. I think they're 
like I don't like those YouTube channels. I don't think they have. We gotta get more than twelve views on a YouTube I'm video before we sorry. start punching down. Okay, well, <laughs> if, if the critical drinker and nostalgia critic are gonna listen to this podcast, that'd be hilarious. That, we, that would be hilarious. I, I wonder how we get Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, to listen to this podcast. We probably Super Meg has been dunking on him for years in their podcast, and he still hasn't responded to them. So I don't know. He. <laughs> That that's one thing about him, you know. He's like very, he he's embedded in like so many controversies. The thing yeah. is, he just never responds to any of them. Yeah, it's the Thomas Jefferson approach. Have you have you heard like Thomas Jefferson when he was president? Like the people would scandalize him and like you know talk about the fact that he like has a bunch of slaves and mm. you know has children with them. Um, and what he did is he just didn't respond to the criticism <laughs> and he like. He brushed it off and like obviously like he was doing some terrible shit and like yeah. I'm not saying he should have escaped criticism but I'm saying it does seem to work when right. you ignore people who are like bashing you like what what power do they have anymore like if they're just trying to get a reaction out of you mm-hmm. and you don't give them anything like it's like oh well I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll go inside now <laughs> like yeah Man, Interesting we, approach. We've uh, we've rambled a little bit about uh, about fan culture, I guess, about an anti fan culture. Yeah. You know, I'd say uh, YouTube film and film Twitter yeah. culture. I'm always down to talk about that shit. What Same. a mess, you know. But um, I think if you take away one thing from this episode, it's like our opinion isn't like scripture or anything no. like i i think the falcon and the winter soldier is a decent show that has great i think it's a decent show that has great moments yeah really great really moments. great moments yeah i think those moments get bogged down by some pretty shitty stuff but mm-hmm. like overall I, I would say like if you're a fan of marvel like it, you would be remiss to to not watch this show you know yeah. um but anyway you know that that's that's that uh we have really enjoyed doing this episode and we really enjoyed last week i think i think yes. moving forward uh we're gonna probably have a q a section mm. in each episode i think we're gonna try something like that yeah yeah we're, we're we're just gonna see how that goes so you know if you see us on on twitter respond to stuff we'll we'll incorporate your ideas your takes i jacob had a really good idea mm-hmm. uh, speaking of jacob um that we, you know, incorporate your thoughts on our topics before we release an episode about it. So we'll we'll try and have more interaction on social mm-hmm. media with you guys before we, we do one of our big topics. I know it's been a bit since we've done, like, a topic. Yeah. Know? But uh, we do have one lined up for next week, if you're still down to do it. Music videos. Heck We're yeah. going to be talking about some of our favorite ones. Maybe some bad ones if mm-hmm. we want to. Um, because I mean that's just a very interesting art form. Yeah, in mu- yeah, and it, and music videos falls under the uh, the film umbrella. Uh, there's a lot of filmmakers, including David Fincher, mm. who got his start in film from doing music videos. Yeah, uh, and they're really interesting. They are, like you said, they're a really interesting art form, and I'm excited to talk about them because I have some f- favorite music videos that. Um, I just remember, like, there's just moments I remember from music videos, and they're uh, really interesting. So, might uh, might uh, talk on that, might speak on that, speak on the name. But okay. well, hell yeah, we'll we'll see you then. And um, oh my God, who's that? Who's that at the door? Hello. Hello. Is that? Is that? Oh God, it's um, 
it's it's the it's, representative um, the, of film Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Representative of Film Twitter. Uh, oh, what, no. What's up? Is He's that a gun? Oh no! Oh no! They're gonna shoot us. <laughs> this bit's really undeveloped. They're gonna shoot us for something. <laughs> for shooting up. For shooting up heroin. Film <laughs> Twitter's gonna kill us. Insert gun sound effect here. <laughs> <coughs> oh.